Welcome to the Hills. All of you that are watching online and all of you in person at North Richmond Hills, Keller, and West Fort Worth campuses. I am so thrilled you are with us because today I am beginning what I think is an extremely significant sermon series. And I want to enter it this way. If you've heard me preach often, you know I love sports. I love to watch sports, particularly uh, football and basketball and golf. But every four years, I get into sports like fencing and bobsled because I love to watch the Olympic Games. So I was particularly excited in the summer of 2020 to get to watch one of the greatest athletes of all time. Her name is Simone Biles. She is a gymnast who's won as many medals in gymnastics as any American athlete, 25 world championships. She's almost universally considered the greatest gymnast of all time. So in the spring of 2020, leading up to the Olympics, her face graced many magazine covers as everyone just expected her to take in a haul of medals at the Summer Games, only to find on an almost daily basis that she was declining to perform in an event where she was expected to win a medal, citing mental health reasons. And of course, people were disappointed but she did not receive much disapproval, except maybe from the state media of the Russian uh, power structure. They were very, very harsh on Ms. Biles. But basically across the globe, she received uh, applause for prioritizing her mental health over performance. Let's bring it closer to home. If you're a Texas Ranger baseball fan, you've heard this voice. Eric Nadell has been the voice of the Texas Rangers for 28 seasons. He's in the Texas Ranger Hall of Fame. So we're starting the 29th season, a season of promise. And just before the season begins, he issues a statement that he won't be in the booth, at least for a time, as he deals with some mental health challenges. And again, there was disappointment, but not disapproval. Overall, there was uh, affirmation of his decision to prioritize his mental health. Now, here's the thing. When I was a young man, I'm not sure either one of these people would have been affirmed the way they were. But it seems like we've come a long way. We've become a safer place where people can talk about their struggles with mental health. And not only should the church join this conversation, the church should lead this conversation because we have a perspective that offers much that people need to hear. And so for the next few weeks, we are going to, at our church, talk about mental health. And let me tell you how this series was birthed in me. You might recall last January, I did a series of sermons I called Soulful, asked the question, is it well with your soul? Because I'm convinced we have normalized a way of doing life that is not good for our soul that we've normalized a way of doing life in the outer world that is toxic to our inner world. So last summer, I did a lot of reading prep for that series. And in the fall, I'm putting those messages together. And God impressed upon me this reality that one of the primary ways that soul unhealth manifests itself is in mental health challenges. And but God began to impress upon me the need to address that. And my first reaction was to not want to. This is not like me. 
Whenever I feel a strong impression from God about something to preach, my first reaction typically is anticipation, not intimidation. And I know the spirit of fear does not come from the Lord. So I began to investigate, why would I be afraid to talk about something that is so relevant to our current society? Well, one reason is because I confess up front, I am not trained in this field. I am not credentialed as a mental health care professional. I'm not a counselor. I'm not a therapist. I don't have those letters after my name which means I've had to do a lot of research, a lot of reading of Christian and non-Christian mental health experts, uh, talking to uh, mental health professionals in our community and in our church, listening to podcasts, visiting with people that deal with ongoing mental health struggles. I'm still not an expert, but the more I researched, the more I realized that wasn't my chief fear. My chief fear was being misunderstood. The last thing I want to do is increase the pain of someone who already struggles. So I'm going to ask for some grace the next few weeks. I want you to hear my heart. My only intention is to lessen the burden of people with mental health challenges, not increase it. So if I say something that is hurtful, please forgive me and give me grace. And no, that was never my intention. Here's what I could do. I could play it safe and just not talk about it. We could just keep this topic in the dark. Nothing gets better in the dark. That is a strategy of the enemy. God brings things into the light. And so out of a sense of obedience to God, I'm going to go where I didn't at first want to go. We're going to have a conversation and talk about mental health. And here's the two chief reasons God would not let me go. Number one, the struggle with mental health is real. Mental health disorders are now the leading cause of disability worldwide. About 20% of adults in our country experience a mental health challenge in any given year, which means hundreds of people listening to me right now have had a mental health challenge in the last 12 months. It wasn't created by the pandemic. The pandemic only made a big problem bigger. The World Health Organization reports the rates of anxiety and depression have increased 25% since 2020. And the data is even more alarming for young people. A recent CDC study revealed 42% of teenagers report feeling persistently sad. 62% of college graduates report feeling overwhelmed and anxious. And there's no one size fits all explanation for this crisis. In fact, as I talked with many mental health professionals, I realized uh, they're not all on the same pace. They They swim in different streams as they diagnose the challenge and what we should do about it. But if you ask mental health professionals, Christian and non-Christian, is the problem nurture or nature? They will universally say, yes. (laughs) In other words, we live in a fallen world which means our biology is broken by sin and our environment is infected with dysfunction 
and evil. And so mental health challenges can be rooted in many factors, like, for example, our physiology. We can have genetic predispositions to certain kinds of mental health struggles. We can have chemical imbalances in the brain that can be a factor. And then there's relational stress. Some people grow up in very toxic family systems, or they've been uh, the victims of a long season of bigotry or oppression, or they've been consistently rejected by communities they want to belong to, and this can create mental health stress. And then there's just life experience. Now, nobody gets an easy life. Nobody. But some people have been particularly wounded by trauma. It might have been an event or an ongoing series of events. If you have been a victim of trauma, you know that the impact lasts long after the experience is over. And then one factor in mental health challenges could be disconnection from God. Now, I know that is a particularly Christian worldview, but I'm a pastor. What did you expect? Uh, there's a story in the Old Testament, a dark time in David's life where he violated a man's marriage, a friend's marriage, slept with his wife and then had his friend murdered. And for a year, he kept it in the dark and he was disconnected from God. And later he wrote about that in a song. And he said, when I kept things to myself, I felt weak deep inside me. I moaned all day long. And David had a year of deep mental anguish because he lost his connection to God. Now, remember what I said earlier about it's easy to be misunderstood? Please hear me. What I just said is that disconnection from God could be a factor in some people having a mental health struggle. I did not say that if you have a mental health challenge, that means you're not a spiritual person. I did not say that. Turn to your neighbor right now and say, he did not say that. Here's the reality. Most therapists agree there's typically more than one reason why someone has a mental health struggle and you can have a vibrant faith in God. You can be absolutely connected to God and have a mental health challenge. And here's how I know that. I listen to my own church. So you recall last January in this series on soul care, we took a quick survey about the status of mental health in our church. Over 2,500 people participated. In this first slide, you'll see almost two to one females responded over males. Right off the bat, we've got a problem. We live in a culture that still stigmatizes mental illness, and men especially don't like to appear weak, and they won't admit they're struggling. And brothers, we need to get past this. And our families need us to get past this. Second slide. Only 9% of our church said in the last 12 months, I did not have a single episode where I struggled with my mental health. 91% of us confessed at least once last year, I had a mental health challenge. The three areas of challenge that were the most uh, shouldn't surprise you. 70% 
revealed a struggle with anxiety in the last 12 months. 60% depression and 58% burnout and stress. And we are going to deal with all three of these mental health challenges in specific sermons in the next few weeks. We can't deal with every mental health disorder, but we are going to talk about these three and one more that we must address. 6% reported thoughts of self-harm or suicide. The good news, if there is good news, is that's way below the national average. It's still too high. There's no way as a pastor in good conscience I can ignore. And so for the first time in 40 years on May 21st, I'm going to talk very directly about suicide. Now, parents, everyone's life experience is different. So you have to determine in your context what you want your children to hear. The sermons might deal with heavy topics. I don't think they will be heavy-handed. But you decide how you want to have these conversations with your children. And we'll remind you that these conversations are coming up, especially May the 21st. But here's what we know. Nobody's mental health challenge is their struggle alone. Coworkers are impacted. Friends are impacted. And especially family is impacted. The struggle with mental health is real. And the second reason we must have this conversation is because not talking is not working. Keeping the conversation in the dark is not helping. In fact, perhaps the most disconcerting thing I learned in my research, a person who struggles with mental health on average waits over 10 years before they admit it and try to get some help. We have got to bring this conversation out of the dark and into the light like the Bible does. Because the Bible is honest that the struggle for mental health is real. Over half of David's Psalms express grief and sorrow. In fact, I personally am convinced David dealt with depression much of his adult life. Listen to his own words like Psalm chapter 6. I am worn out from sobbing. All night I flood my bed with weeping, drenching it with my tears. Or Psalm 13. How long must I struggle with my anguish in my soul, with sorrow in my heart every day? Or Psalm 69. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I'm in deep water and the floods overwhelm me. I'm exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. You know what? I think someone was just blessed by seeing those words. Maybe you didn't know the Bible is that honest about how people feel. That great people of faith are honest about their mental health. David didn't hide his depression from God. He brought it to God as an act of worship. And the Bible doesn't deny and the Bible doesn't disown faith heroes who experience mental health challenges. Like Jacob, who 
no doubt experienced PTSD, post-traumatic stress disorder. When he heard and thought his beloved son Joseph was dead, he went into a state of grief that immobilized him for decades. Or Elijah, on the run from Ahab and Jezebel for years, and finally breaks down and says to God, I wish you would just take my life. I'm done. Or Paul, writing to the Corinthian church about how beat down he was in Asia on his trip. And he uses words like these, I was despaired, I was overwhelmed, I was crushed. And the gospel authors do not hide. And in fact, Jesus confesses his increasing mental anguish the closer he got to the cross. Which should tell you something. It is not a sin to deal with mental distress. In fact, people with mental health challenges are some of the strongest Christians I know. And I can say that because I work with some of them. Some of my co-ministers, deeply connected to God, powerfully effective in ministry, have dealt with mental health challenges. And I thought it might bless you to hear them say so in their own words. So watch this, please. God met me in the midst of anxiety that was brought on by trauma. And I experienced freedom through a community whose eyes were focused on Jesus. And then the last thing in that journey that I did was like dove headfirst into the Word of God and really considering like, what does God have to say about me? And how can I partner with those words being true? Just taking God at His Word. You know, in my uh, past, I uh, have struggled often with depression, anxiety, mainly anxiety. And I think in the beginning, I was hesitant to seek out help because maybe I was ashamed of that. A lot of strength was just in talking about it, was just uh, speaking to others or admitting to someone that I'm dealing with this, that I'm wrestling with this. And just that alone, starting the conversation, I think is half the battle uh, because you find freedom when you let other people into your struggles. And people need to realize that they don't have to be ashamed because they're dealing with uh, a mental health issue, just like you wouldn't be ashamed if your knee was hurting. You know, we deal with these things. It's it's part of living, it's part of life, and, and we have to talk about it, you know? I think it'd be fair to say that 2020 was the most difficult year I've ever had for my mental health. I had moments where I would take out the trash, and um, you know, our house had the little kids in it, we're all locked down for, for that time, and I would get out there, and it was like this moment of peace, and all of a sudden I would just want to cry, because I was so, exhausted. I just didn't know what was wrong with me. I was, I was like, I could not regulate those emotions. Yeah, I ended up going to counseling and finding out that I was uh, uh, experiencing depression. That started a long journey of counseling, of processing and praying through the ways that I was feeling that I hadn't felt before. So over, over the last 18 months or so, I would say that I've struggled more with anxiety and stress than ever before. Uh, some of it I wondered if it was tied to a medical condition and medication that I take, but I'm just reacting different to stress than I ever have in my life. So because of that, I reached out to a counselor here at our counseling center and have um, spent some time with various counselors over these last few months 
Even though I wouldn't say I've completely figured this out, I know the things that I need to do, talking to somebody, uh, spending more time in silence and solitude, spending time in God's Word. Uh, all of those things are a part of what keeps me mentally healthy. I spent a really long time trying to hold all these broken pieces together. Actually, I wasn't meant to carry it, to hold it together. And so, when my world completely crumbled, my anxiety and fear just was crippling. The Lord brought me to the exact counselor that I needed for myself because um, the Lord is almighty. He can heal anything, but He also has equipped and given gifts to people that can do His work for Him here with us. And that's who my counselor was. But then He used friends and special people in my life and counselors to get me to this point to where now, instead of me having my head buried, all this chaos and noise has been moved aside and I can actually hear Him, the Lord can turn anything into something beautiful. That's what He does. And I'm thankful for that. Amen. Take a moment. Let's thank our ministers of our church for being so honest. I hope that blessed you. Again, you can be really connected to God and need some help improving your mental health. So a few years ago, I did a series called Let's Talk About Race. In no way did I think I'll preach some sermons about uh, race relations, and after those sermons, all race-related issues will just go away. No. I was hoping the conversation started would be more Christ-shaped, Bible-informed, Spirit-led to get us to a better place as a church, and I think that happened. And that's the goal for this series. Not that I'll preach some sermons on mental health, and nobody will ever again struggle with mental health. But that, in fact, because it is a real thing, we will have conversations, Christ-shaped, Bible-informed, Spirit-led, that will get us to a place where we are healthier and better at helping each other. So I want to share with you three goals that God gave me for this series that I think are very reachable. Here's number one. It's important that we destigmatize having mental health challenges. Because no one chooses to struggle with their mental health. And for the person not listening, I need to say that again. No one chooses to have struggles with their mental health. Just acknowledging that one truth makes a huge difference in expelling the spirit of judgment that has existed too long that seems to believe a struggle below my neck is more worthy of your compassion than a struggle above my neck. Expelling this spirit will keep us from trivializing or over-spiritualizing someone else's mental health challenge. You trivialize their struggle when you say things like, you know, it's not so bad. You just need to suck it up. Look on the bright side. And you over-spiritualize their struggle when you say things like, you just need more faith. You just need to pray more. Here's a verse. Don't trivialize. Don't over-spiritualize. Empathize and say, I'm so sorry. How can I support you? 
The Holy Spirit inspired Paul to write this word to the Galatian churches that we could read later. Share each other's burdens and in this way obey the law of Christ. And the Holy Spirit wanted this to be read by the churches because the goal is not to have a burden-free church. The goal is to have a church where people are free to share their burdens. And we can reach this goal. We can destigmatize having a mental health challenge. Here's a second go. It's important that we as a church family extend grace to our fellow strugglers. Because despite what we like to say, nobody at church is completely fine. I know that's our word. In every church and every foyer around the world, how are you doing? I'm fine. Church is for fine people. If you're not fine, you stay home until you get fine and then come up and tell us. (laughs) And the reality is, Every single one of us has wounds. And the church is a community that can offer real hope to real people with real problems. And we do this not by fixing each other, but by being the presence of Christ for each other. No, I don't understand everything you are going through and you don't understand everything I deal with, but I don't have to understand to stand with you. And you can stand with me. We're compelled to in Scripture, Romans 12. Be happy with those who are happy and weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with each other. Don't be too proud to enjoy the company of ordinary people and don't think you know it all. You don't have to fix people. Just love people. Be with them, cry and laugh together. You know, studies consistently show, not just Christian studies, but across the the mental health field, studies consistently show that people that go to church regularly, who have a faith family, experience fewer and less severe mental health challenges. And for the record, the same benefits are not as true if you do church online. That's not a judgment. It's just a fact. There's something about being in the presence of one another, being real with each other, worshiping together, that is very, very good for us. Ben Robertson was an American journalist in World War II. He was sent to London. He was unprepared for what he saw, the devastation, the bombing, the the dying, It affected his mental health to the point he was having thoughts of suicide. His hotel room was right across the street from a church that had been bombed. He goes to bed on Saturday night. He wakes up the next morning. He hears noise. And it's people gathering in this bombed church building with pews covered with mortar and dust, singing praise to God. And he says, it saved my life. He said, I suddenly realized there's one thing that is indestructible. And that is the presence of Jesus Christ in his church. The church and people with mental health challenges belong together. If you have a mental health challenge, you need the church. And the church needs you. Together, we remind each other of how much we all need Jesus and his grace. This is a reachable goal for us to extend more grace 
to people who are having struggles because we all do. And one more big go. It's important that we take steps in the direction of hope, faith, and health. I don't know where you are. I hope in the next few weeks you'll be convicted. I'm going to move in the direction of faith and hope and health. You're made in the image of God, which means you have the capacity and the responsibility to pursue wellness. Wellness is an approach to life. And in my research, I've found consistently a bunch of steps that we can take to pursue better mental health. Not all of them are necessarily Christian, but they're all things that help. For example, one step, see a doctor. Are you struggling with mental anxiety or depression? Things just aren't clicking. See a doctor. Don't feel bad if you need to take some medicine. Let me tell you something. As one counselor reminded me, you don't get a trophy at your grave if you live through life and you never needed medicine. If you never took a medicine in your life, we don't put a decal on your casket, okay? <laughs> Doctors and medicine are gifts and graces of God to help us do life better. Another step some of you need to take, see a counselor. How many of our ministers said, I went and got counseling and it blessed me. We are blessed in our church with a lot of mental health professionals and we're connected to a a Christian network of therapists across our community and it can help you. Take that step if you need to. Here's another step you could take. Watch your intake. And this has many variables, including your diet. All the processed sugar we eat is not good for our mental health. And all the screens that we are addicted to are devastating to our mental health. Your soul cannot do life at the speed of your smartphone. You've got to watch your intake. Another step is to get more sleep. The data is conclusive. We don't sleep enough. God did not create the late, late show. There is a direct correlation to how much sleep you get and your mental health. Here's another. Go outside and get more exercise. I was amazed how many times I read studies that said just 15 minutes of sun on your face a day dramatically improves your mental health. But we've become a sedentary indoor society, and it's especially impacting children. In just one generation, kids have gone from a play-based culture to a screen-based culture, and it's not helping. The last two steps are especially for people of faith. Choose community. It's not easy when you don't feel good, but it's how God made you. There's no therapist, Christian or non-Christian, that will ever say isolation is the best strategy when you struggle with mental health. You need to get in a community group. You need to get in a rooted group. You need to find Christian community. And one more, practice spiritual disciplines. Prayer, Bible study, journaling, worshiping with your church family. Take a step. Our church wants to help. It's one reason why we've created a resource page. Go to thehills.org, 
slash mental dash health. We've got Bible reading plans. We've got books we recommend. Uh, we've got a place where you can make an appointment with a counselor. We have resources for family. We've even created a playlist of worship music that we think would bless you. So visit this site. And one more thing we're going to do during this series is really ramp up the offer to pray for you. And at every service at every campus, we're going to have mental health professionals available if you need to talk to someone. But here's the thing. You cannot help me bear what I am not willing to share. Nothing gets better in darkness. So let me close with this story from the life of Jesus. It's a Sabbath. He's in a synagogue. And there's a man with a withered hand. Jesus has him stand up in front of everybody. And then he says a strange thing. Stick out your hand. Why did Jesus say that? He didn't have to see the hand to heal it. The man didn't even have to be in the room for Jesus to heal the hand. But I think it's because that man had learned to do life like this with one hand. Now you can't hide a lame leg or blind eyes. You can hide a hand. And he had learned to do life, especially his faith life, hiding where he was hurting. And how many of you are doing the same thing? You're really good at coming to church and only letting people see what works. And you're thinking, Jesus, if you would strengthen where I'm broken, then I'll show everybody. And Jesus said, show everybody where you're broken, and I will strengthen you. We talk about mental health because healing begins with revealing. That's how it works in the kingdom of God. He gives grace to the humble, not to the hider. God didn't design you to be the only one that would ever pray for you. Oh my goodness, I better say that again. God did not design you to be the only person that would ever pray for you. He gave us each other. And together, we can talk about mental health in the presence of God. Let's do that right now. So God, I want to thank you for impressing upon me months ago the need for this series. Thank you for refusing to let me run away from it. Because we know, God, that you care about us, body, soul, and spirit in every way, God. You want us to reflect your image. You want us to pursue wellness. And you've given us a church where we can carry each other's burdens. But God, we've gotten very good at hiding what's broken. 
and not talking is not working. So in the weeks ahead, give us more courage to be honest, to be real, and together to seek the grace of Jesus. And we pray in his name. Amen.